Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com, and when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast Show. I'm your host, Steve Mathis, and with me on the line is uh, a guy I've been wanting to get on for a little while, and uh, I always figured he was way, way, way too busy for this little show, but the first time I asked him was last week, and here we are doing it, and that would be none other than Speed TV slash CBS Supercross play-by-play head honcho, Ralph Shaheen. Ralph, what's up? <laughs> Thanks, Steve, for having me on. I was starting to think maybe you didn't want to have me on. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was stoked when you asked me to be on. Yeah, I was always thinking to myself, that, that guy's too busy. He's, there's, there's no way he's going to do this stupid little show. You know what I mean? No. Uh, but I appreciate it. Thanks for making time. No, listen, I, I never am too busy to sit down and bench race. That's one of the best parts about uh, being involved mm-hmm. in motorsports, whether it's something like this or just chatting with the fans at the pit party or you know whatever the case may be. You know, I mean, that's some of the most fun um, because everybody's passionate about our sport, and it's cool to sit back and exchange those ideas and talk about what what everybody likes and dislikes about the stuff. I mean, we don't have to agree on everything, but the bench racing is half the fun, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, how long have you been calling Supercross for? The, this in the current in the current incarnation. In the current. Uh, form, gosh, what was the first year I did it with Denny? Uh, it was me oh. and Denny and what, Chris Devota. Oh, you went back, to, the, you went back to Denny? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Denny Stevenson and I did the, um, the first season when it came back to speed. Um, you know, I, I guess it, it, it kind of goes all the way back to 1989 is when I did my first, uh, Supercross, uh-huh. and that was on ESPN. It was a Coors Extra Gold series. I was the pit reporter, and the race was in the old Sombrero in Tampa, Tampa. Florida. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I did a bunch of those for years you with and the ESPN Despain, guys. Despain, Myers. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. Art Ekman, all that. Um, and then I, I moved over to TNN, which was known as the National Network mm-hmm. back then. And we had a couple in the TNN days. You know, that's when a lot of different networks shared different races and stuff. And on TNN, the big thing we had was bike week at Daytona every year. Right. So, uh, Steve Evans, you might remember the late great Steve Evans. Uh, Steve and I would go to the Daytona and that's when you did multiple positions. Steve and I would both be pit reporters and share victory lane duties and everything. Mm -hmm. And then we'd fly back to Nashville and we'd both be, Pretending like we were in the booth, and you know, be like, "Hey, uh, well, there's the end of the race, and well, here's Steve." You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretending like I'm throwing to Steve in victory lane when in reality he's sitting right next to me. You know, right. right. Uh, and then you... after a few years of that, it all shifted to ESPN, mm-hmm. and um, that's really when Ekman and Bailey and those guys uh, were doing it all, and uh, Davy Coombs was doing it and stuff like that. Yeah. And I was full on at TNN, and we didn't have any of it for a while. Did you... And then eventually, I ended up at Speed, and Speed got it back. Well, I think it's probably seven years now. Is I want to say it's been that long, huh? Yeah, seven years. I, six or yeah. I want to say this is I think our seventh year. Um, and Danny and I did that first year, and then mm-hmm. uh, here came Fro, and and then Aaron joined in, and you know we're off and having a great time. Going now, were you at TNN when they were doing um, the Carlsbad Golden Carlsbad Golden State races, or was that a little bit before then? That would have been late uh, 80s. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit before me, but, okay. you know, they all kind of fell under the same umbrella. That was what they called the American Sports Cavalcade. Yep, Remember yep, those? Yep, yep. And it was Diamond P Productions, you know. Yep. And the funny thing about those Diamond P, Diamond P shows, Steve, was no matter where we went in the country, no matter what we were doing, whether it was, uh, you know, Daytona, Supercross, or Swamp Buggies in Florida, <laughs> or uh, AMA Road Racing, or Knoxville with the Sprint Cars, whatever it was, mm-hmm. we got the same box 
lunch no matter where we were. And I swear to you, Steve, I think they used to FedEx those things around the country. <laughs> good times, no doubt. Uh, uh, and uh, Good times, horrible lunches. For me, growing up in Canada, the only race we got all year, American Supercross race, was TNN Daytona. So for us, for, you were my childhood announcer because we only got one race a year. And that was it, the Daytona one. So very, uh, very important moment in our lives up in Canada was when the Daytona race came on. Um, so you're trying to make me really old yeah. in saying that well, when you were a child, I was like some old dude called well, Supercross. Okay, when I, when I say child, I mean like 15, 16. So <laughs> okay. maybe, not, maybe not a full child. Um, right, okay. Hey, but, uh, man, so you've been doing it for this long. But I yep. have, you got to admit, like last season in Supercross and now this year again, and I've been as of either mechanic or a journalist since '96. The last season and well, we're not halfway through this year, but the last season and a bit has been phenomenal. Just you never know what's going to happen every week. You know, it might possibly be the best racing I've ever seen. Period. Wow. Not just yeah, in yeah. Supercross, right. but in in any form of competition. Um, you know, to, to give you a perfect example of, you know, I do do a wide variety of different forms of motorsports, two and four wheeled every year. And no matter where I go, Mm -hmm. you would think, since I'm seen doing all these different things, that people might have an interest in talking to me about just about anything, whether it's sprint cars or drag racing or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But no matter what pit area or garage area I walk into, whether it's a race fan or a driver or an industry-type person, the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth and that they want to talk about is Monster Energy Supercross. Really, huh? First thing. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Whether it's, you know, Tony Stewart or Jeff Gordon or Mario Andretti or, you know, uh, Josh Hayes, mm-hmm. they want to talk about Supercross and what a great year it's been and how awesome the racing is. And, you know, before they even talk about their own thing, you know, they go, man, that, that battle at, you know, Georgia Dome last year was just insane between Reed and Stewart. And I'm like, yeah, it was incredible, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Wow, wow, that's pretty cool. That's cool for our series. You know, I'm I'm in this little world of motocross, supercross, and don't get out too much. So that's that's cool to hear those guys. I follow NASCAR with a passing interest, and uh, it's cool to hear those guys are all into. It. I know they come to the races. A lot of them come to the races, especially Daytona and all that. So um, it's kind of cool to hear. This year, we just saw Villapoto get his second win. Uh, I can't believe you know, it. Just worked out so great where we had four winners, four races. What do you see from here on out going on? What uh, do we have a favorite? Is RV a favorite a little bit with the second win? Or what's your thoughts on that? I don't see anybody separating themselves from the pack mm-hmm. just yet. Um, because, look, any one of those top four guys, uh, Dungey, Stewart, Villapoto, or Reed, any one of those four is quite capable of stepping up and, and winning three in a row, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they could. So. Nobody has done that yet. Now, RV, maybe he's going to start doing that. Mm-hmm. He could very easily, you know, win three in a row, starting with last week's victory in Anaheim. Um, but, you know, what if James hadn't crashed the way he did? He sure looked like he was fast enough to run with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Reed was a little bit under the weather, and he'd already won a Dodger Stadium, so maybe he could have gone up and run. You just you don't know what these guys. Yeah. And the other thing I haven't seen yet that I'm waiting for is that Barbanger. Where's the Atlanta right. of this year? Right. Um, it's coming. We all know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be Atlanta again. Um, maybe it'll be in Indianapolis. Maybe, you know, who knows? Right. But it's coming. And what is that going to do? You know, when you start putting in, they're already, you know, fired up about each other. Yeah. But now all of a sudden you really take the emotions to a whole nother level. How is that going to impact this season mm-hmm. um we haven't seen that yet but boy when it does that could be a, a big moment in the championship uh as you mentioned swamp buggies uh drag racing nascar <laughs> road racing you've done it all you've called it all what i'm interested to hear your take what are our, our athletes like like to me the guys in our sport have a little more say as to whether they're competitive or winning or not based on the fact that the bikes the equipment doesn't matter as much as in the other racing. But having said that, um, the guys that you deal with in the other, in your other life, uh, other jobs in your life, they, they're all athletes, they're all competitive, they all got egos. But what do our guys, what are they like? What, what, 
What do you find different about them than, uh, than the average guy in the other series you cover? One thing is that um, in some ways all racers are the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that I mean they all are extremely driven. They will do anything and spend anything and work themselves into a froth to accomplish their goal, which is always winning. Mm-hmm. Winning, 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 and winning, right? right. Whether it's uh, a guy, you know, look, I've done everything from trials competition to F1 at Monaco. So it doesn't matter who or where. You can go to the middle of the swamps down there in Naples, Florida, and you think these are just a bunch of goofy guys running around in these weird-looking contraptions. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> they are as dedicated to winning as anybody might be at Anaheim in January when they raise the curtain on the season. It's just as competitive to those people. So they will spend whatever they have. They will work as hard as they have to. It's their passion. It's their life. Mm-hmm. Where I see the Supercross guys differently is in the mental aspect. And I've, I've talked with a lot of guys in our sport about it, right. whether it's Fro or RC or whoever the case may be. And I say, you know, if you take the top Formula One driver, for example, mm-hmm. a guy, a Lewis Hamilton and a Felipe, uh, you know, a Felipe Massa, mm-hmm. they're going to play a mental game against each other. You know, it might be, yeah, you know what, I, I think I can take you a little deeper into the corner. Or, uh, you know, they're going to play all those kinds of mind games. You know, right. yeah, your car looked a little weird in the tail section going through those fast S's the other day. Get inside the head of your competitor that way. In Supercross, what I see happening is it's a mental game with the individual. A guy can go out and take a look at at track walk Mm -hmm. and look at a rhythm section and talk himself right out of the night. Or, on the flip side, a guy can go out there, put his hands down in the dirt and go, oh, yeah, this is so me. I am, this is my day. And all of a sudden... There he is on the top step of the podium at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't explain it, but everybody I talk to, whether it's you know McGrath, Carmichael, Emig, Stevenson, uh, Ricky Johnson, I don't care who you talk to, Chad Reed, James Stewart, they will all tell you, yep, that's exactly the way it is over here, but nobody can explain to you why it is that way. You know What's yeah. different about the mental side of this game? But what I do love is what you pointed out in that it is 80% the rider and 20% the machine. Yeah. I believe you could take any one of those top four guys, take all the paint and body work off those bikes, plastic, put them on a different bike, and they're all going to run just as competitively if they were on their, right. in their own bike. Right. You can't do that in Formula One. You can't do that in yeah. MotoGP. Yeah. But you can do that here, and that's what's so fantastic about it. Is it maybe a case too where our guys are younger, so they're 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 not as mentally stable? Let's say they're younger, they're they're a little maybe not developed as much as say uh, you know. Well, I guess Lewis Hamilton's twenty two or twenty three. I mean, he's pretty young too. But um, yeah, they are. Um, you know, they it, are. Is you that... know, and I, I brought that up. Um, a lot of people talk about you know the family side of this business, and is the fact that you know over here a lot of kids start you know, four or five years old, riding and racing and, you know, working their way up through the amateur ranks. And one of the other things I see over here that I don't see in other forms of motorsport is people hiding injury or hiding uh, an illness, not wanting to show any sign of weakness. To me, that's kind of strange. I mean, look at the NFL, for example. They put out an injury report every week. You know exactly who's questionable, who's probable, and who's definitely not going to play, mm-hmm. right? And you tend to know what the injury is. But when you see a guy in the NFL and you know, uh, take Gronkowski, for example, in the Super yeah. Bowl, you know his ankle's bad, but you see him out there giving everything he's got. To me, that makes him a bigger hero. Yeah. And, and when, I see, when I see what some of these guys have gone through, uh, you know, Chad Reed and the grittiness, Remember that year he crashed so hard in Detroit? Yeah, Detroit, yeah. And it, it came back out after making a trip to the hospital? Mm-hmm. And that's unbelievable. I mean, that's Superman-level, true champion-type stuff to me. Yeah. Uh, James Stewart a year ago at Daytona. Are you kidding me? I would have been in traction for a year and a half <laughs> after a crash like that. Right. And he rides back up into the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it, and as a journalist guy, it, it's frustrating for me, too, because – 
I have to assume that you're healthy when you're racing, and then when I come down on you for not performing like you should, and then you tell me, hey, man, I've got a bad groin or, you know, I've, I've bruised my wrist really bad. Well, how, I'm not – I mean, let us know. Tell me. I, you see me. I speak yeah. to you. You know, I mean, tell me. And then I'll be like, hey, he's doing pretty good considering. But when I don't know or none of us know what's going on, we have to assume you're healthy and ready to go. Right. So you're right. It I is, remember yeah. – um, you, you, you remember this. I guess it was when James was riding on the Kawasaki – and Jeremy Albrecht was his um, his mechanic. Yeah. He went through a stretch run of about four or five races where he just didn't ride very well, and he was really struggling, and nobody knew what was going on. And I mean, we're starting to think, gosh, you know, maybe yeah. it's just not his year. And then all of a sudden we find out he's had, what, some sort of, like, impacted tooth or something. It's thrown his equilibrium off, and <laughs> even the team didn't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jeff and I are looking at each other like, we're feeling bad because we've kind of been saying, you know, they, they're just – they're off their game. Yeah. They're yeah. not off their game. Yeah. This guy's dealing with this major deal that would have most of us bedridden. Right. Do you, you know, well, tell us that so we can say, guys, he's really putting out a tremendous effort here. Yeah. Well, do, you, do you find uh, – how do you find dealing with the riders are as a media guy and the teams itself uh, – you know, it seems like in our sport, there's not a there's a lot of secrecy, or there's a lot of attempts at secrecy. And I've gotten myself in trouble for getting people mad for talking about things behind the scenes. And how does that compare to other racing? You know, like in road race, for example, if you don't have and I, and, I, and I don't know the specifics, but there's been more than a few times. There's some tracks where a Bridgestone tire doesn't work as well as the Pirellis. And after the race, uh, uh, the road racer, be it Nikki Hayden or whoever. And again, you can see my lack of road race knowledge. They'll say, but I, but you know, I read cycle news, and they'll say, "Hey, my tires, we just didn't have it today. Like, the the Pirelli's got something figured out on this circuit. They do a lot of testing on this one, and we didn't have it today. And that's it. Or or even Tony Stewart when he called out Goodyear for the NASCAR thing for the tires. It's a little different, but in our sport, I mean, I I've written things where the the tire guys just they hate me. They want to set me on fire because I've written about how a certain front tire from Bridgestone works better." Uh, Supercross, because all the riders tell me it does. Um, and in our sport, it seems like there's a little more secrecy and a little more, uh, maybe for the lack of a better term, butt hurt feelings. Do you find that at all? Is that uh, something that you come You'll across? find that in, in every garage that you walk into, every pit area you walk into. But a lot of that comes down to your relationship with those people. Mm -hmm. You know, is somebody going to be willing to give you the information. And I've never had a problem with asking the hard question. You might not like the question. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not a fair question or a good question. It's just, it is what it is, mm -hmm. right? And if I can look you in the eye and say, well, hey, look, I'm not saying you did this, but here's video that shows you ran the guy up into the tough yeah. blocks here. Right, right. So you tell me. I'm just asking you, did you do that? Mm hmm because when I look at the video, sure looks like you did. Now, you can tell me you didn't, right. and you can explain to me what happened, but it's okay for me to ask you because there it is on video, right. and that's right. my job. So I don't have a problem doing that. And the same thing with, like, you talk about, um, you know, if you have knowledge of something. Hey, if I got two sources to back it up, mm -hmm. you know, there it is. I, you know, I got a driver and a, another tire guy that says, you know, this happened. Uh, is that what you were running on your car, or Mr. Ryder, is that what you were running on your bike? Yeah. Um, you know, if I've got proof that you did, I'm going to at least ask you about it, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I don't have a problem with that. And, look, you're not going to always make everybody happy, yeah. but what journalist does? You know, but you're not doing your job necessarily, too, if you're not going after a good story. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so, so it's in other sports, then. It's not yeah, just oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, usually what you find too, when you hit that, when you've hit that pressure point, you were probably right. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good. You know what point. I mean? Yeah, yeah. The only reason why they're upset is because you caught them at it. Yeah. And, you and, know, and they just didn't they just didn't want you to know. But you know, I love the way that uh, you know, I was one of the first guys to talk about James running a Pirelli or a Dunlop at A one and I love the JGR guys' attitude, which I mean then they're friends of mine, Coy and, and Jeremy and the whole team, their attitude was yeah, we got. Yeah, we tried. Oh well, and, and no, no anger at me for reporting on it, or no, no, you know, I ran some photos of it. None of that. They're just like, yeah, huh, we we tried. We we thought, could get, you know. And I just, right. I just like, hey, I understand it. It's not like, 
nobody's crucifying you here. It's just uh, we're reporting on the story, and I, a lot of respect to the JGR guys for for that. For, for how and you know what? The, and, and look how quickly it blew over, too, right? Right. right. Yep. Because you know, because people don't have a problem with you just coming out and telling you. And one of the things I always use as an example of that is. Look at, you know, like Major League Baseball with the steroid issues and look at how mm-hmm. things are done differently when it's, um, you know, Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens as opposed to Andy Pettit. Yeah. You know, yeah. Andy Pettit just came right out and said, you know what, I did, I tried, I shouldn't have done it, it was a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a very forgiving society. Yeah. Um, people go, yeah, okay, we've all made mistakes, we've all done dumb things in our world, so, okay, we got it, you manned up, you apologized, on down the road we all go. Yeah. It's when you start trying to cover stuff up and hide from things and everything that that's when people are like, come on, man, just tell yeah. us you did it and we'll all deal with this, you know? Yeah, excellent analogy. You're right. Bonds and Clemens have stonewalled and now everyone's after them, you know? Um, right. Hey, uh, uh, how's it working with Fro? Uh, how do you like working with Jeff Emig? Um, he, he seems to me to be hitting his stride, getting a little better each year. To me, uh, I thought his early years were a little rough, let's say, but uh, um, I, I feel like that now at this point, you guys work pretty well together. You know, I, I really don't want to talk about this, and I'll tell you why. Because I don't want anybody to know how much fun I'm really having. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, think about this. I get, to, I get to go to 17 Monster Energy Supercross races, and I get to sit most of the time with Ricky Carmichael and Jeff Emig. If not, it's just Jeff. And watch some of the best racing on the planet and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Honestly, Steve, it doesn't get any better. And you can ask any of the other people I wear, I wear out. Let me just tell you, I absolutely wear out the people I do NASCAR with in the summertime at TNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'll, I'll sit in the trailer and I go, you guys have no idea. And all I sit there and do is just rave about what's – they get sick and tired of me talking about <laughs> Supercross yeah. and how cool it is and this is great about that and this is what I love about that and I can't wait. So I can wave goodbye to you guys and, go, you know, that kind yeah, of thing, yeah. you know, yeah. giving them the business. And they're like, yeah, 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 we know. But, you know, and, and those guys are great guys, too, and I love them. But, but really, the most fun I have all year is doing Monster Energy Supercross with Fro and RC and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a great group all the way around. The people that are working in the truck, the people that are out on the cameras, um, the audio guys. You know, we've, over the last few years, since that first year when it was Denny and Krista and I, mm-hmm to where we are now, just like a race team, you shuffle people around. You change this position, you move that one over here, and Mm -hmm. this guy comes in. And a lot of it's behind the scenes, some of it the folks have seen in front of the camera. But all of that makes a difference. And then all of a sudden you hit on chemistry. Mm -hmm. And that chemistry has to work from the truck to the booth all the way around Mm -hmm. for it to really start to click. And we're there now. And in the last... Two three years, we've we've had our group together where we want to be, where we need to be, and mm-hmm. and I think the fans are enjoying it because of that. And what you just said there is a perfect example. It takes all of that to come together. Fro's one of the hardest working guys I know. You know, obviously when he was a racer, but at the same point, he's working every bit as hard as he ever did to win a championship on a dirt bike to be a good broadcaster. Yeah. I mean, you know, he works at it, and I mean works at it all the time. And that's not just standing in front of a mirror and you know, trying to pretend you're on camera. That's doing your knowledge and, yeah. and doing your reporting as a journalist, going out and talking to people in the pit area and talking with me about how we want to set things up and how, okay, well, how are you going to lead to me? Okay, then I'm going to say this and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And how you work in the booth when we go to air. When there's three of us in a booth and it's only a 20-lap race, mm-hmm. everybody wants to say something. Yeah. Everybody wants to say everything. But we've got to figure out, okay, Ricky, it's your turn. Okay, you're done. All right, Jeff, now you say something. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. That's all being said, but it's being said in our brains, looking at each other, giving each other hand signals yeah. and you know, gesturing with your eyes and all that sort of stuff um, that the fans at home don't see, but it's very important to whether or not it works or doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's been cool because uh, you talk about Fro, and I've been the recipient of a couple of phone calls from more than a couple phone calls from him during the week asking me about something here and there, and I'll be like, why is Fro calling me? And But he's doing work. He's homework. He's He heard something. Absolutely. He wants to know something. He asks my opinion, moves on. You know what I mean? And then why again? Yeah. I'll be like, hey, Fro, Fro called me. Like, he's working. So yeah. um, um, it's, it's cool to, to see. To do this business, uh, you know, it's 
365. I work with Jeff from January to May, but we are in constant contact all year long. Mm -hmm. A, because we're very good friends. He's one of the best friends I have on the planet. But on top of that, we're feeding each other thoughts and ideas and information about what's going on. Um, You know, and, and when you keep doing that, that continues to build that relationship that carries over into the booth. Mm-hmm. If I didn't say anything to him until next January, yeah. then you got to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. But because we're good friends, that comes through the camera mm-hmm. to the viewer at home, you know. And I might see something or read something and say, hey, man, you know, what really happened at Powell? I was, you know, I was hearing this, that, and the other thing, you know, and then, oh, we'll go on for an hour about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you... uh uh, when you how how many weeks are you on the road? How much do you spend at home? Do you, well, um, I mean, do you have a set schedule where you're? It's gotta be. <laughs> geez, it seems like you're gone every. Yeah, time. it's not a nine to five job. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, once the season gets underway, I pretty much go January to mid September, maybe a weekend off in there somewhere. That's it. Maybe. Huh? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, wow. And usually, if that opens up, somebody tries to fill it, and usually I take the work and get on get yeah. on with it. Yeah. Um, once I get to mid September, a lot of championships start to wrap up uh-huh. or slow down, uh, and my schedule tends to open up a little right. bit where I'm not traveling every weekend, but maybe two or three, you know, two times yeah. a month. And then you get to October, and it might be just a Monster Energy Cup, and then one thing in November. And then December, you're pretty much off the road completely. So that whole month, as far as not going to the races, uh-huh. um, and then you start up again right. in January. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be down at Speed Studio taping something, or I might be you know, doing something for the World of Outlaws on a sprint car show or a dirt late model broadcast mm-hmm. at their studios or you know, whatever the case might be. Um, so you're constantly doing something, and if nothing else, talking to people on the phone i'm reading on the internet i'm reading a book or magazine right you know that type of thing right i get racer x every month and i read it cover to cover so even when it's not in the supercross season i'm reading that one and trans world and everybody else yeah and checking them all out you got it you have to yeah it's it's like you said doing your homework right um that's it do you and twitter you know look at twitter (laughs) i mean you got to scroll through twitter constantly tell me all about what's going on with everybody i know i know um it's actually it's actually making my job less important because now Chad Reed's just telling people on Twitter what he's doing. Well, it's making you evolve your job. Yeah, yeah, good point. You know, um, instead of everybody waiting till you know, the, the next issue comes out, you got to find other things to put in that issue because the news has already been broken. Yeah. Now you got to find another way to tell that story. And, and, and yeah, and it's, it's a constant battle for us. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you've kind of got a new project going on. We were talking a little bit before I hit the record button. Um, I guess talk about the the monthly newspaper style magazine you're bringing back. Um, yeah, sounds it's, cool. Um, something that maybe a lot of the moto fans don't know of. Some might that follow car racing. It was called National Speed Sport News. It was to four wheeled racing what Cycle News was in the two wheeled world. A uh, every week, basically a newspaper style publication that told you everything you needed to know mm-hmm. uh, who won where the big races the small races and the breaking news well as you just mentioned with twitter and the internet and facebook and everything that's all gone away so we've gone ahead me and my two partners and bought the rights to national speed sport news which had gone out of business a year ago um mm-hmm. and we're bringing it back to life the new issue the first one comes out next this march it will be a monthly publication on the internet at nationalspeedsportnews.com, you can basically get everything that you would have gotten in that weekly paper there daily. For example, just like you can at racerx.com, racerxill.com. Uh, everything that's breaking as it's happening is all right there in the moto world. The difference here is we're going to cover everything. Right. We're not going to just cover the cars like the original did. We're going to cover motorcycles, too. We're going to talk about vintage car racing. We'll talk about what's happening in offshore powerboats, if that's a big story. But motorcycles are now going to be a huge part of National Speed Sport News. So I encourage folks to check out the website, nationalspeedsportnews.com. Hopefully it becomes a uh, daily stop for you when surfing the Internet. And then if you're interested, subscribe to the magazine. That's going to be kind of like a uh, Sports Illustrated, if you will, 
of the motorsports world. It'll mm-hmm. have great columns from some really insightful, thought-provoking riders and uh, some really interesting features. And, of course, bikes will be a huge part of that because they're a huge part of my life and my passions. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the folks will like it. You uh, not quite busy enough, Ralph? Was that what it was? You were like, hey, hey. man, I got one wife, two kids, three dogs, and a mortgage. You know what I mean, Matthew? You, you got to keep yeah. digging, buddy. If I lift, I go laps down in a hurry. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, what, what's something that you have not called that you'd love to call? Uh, any sport, any motorsport, or anything. Um, what are you into? What do you think would be a blast uh, for you to call the action for? I have done, and I don't mean this in a bragging way, but mm-hmm. just to tell you, roughly um, what I've done. I've done basically every major professional motorsport event on the planet, Mm -hmm. either live and in person or from a studio, but having done it live, whether it's Daytona 500, the Indy 500, the 12 hours of Sebring, 24 hours of Daytona, uh, Supercross from Anaheim and Vegas. Um, Yeah, I did the U.S. Nationals. I was the first play-by-play guy to do the U.S. Nationals Drag Race Live. Mm -hmm. I was the first broadcaster to do the knoxville national sprint car race live i've you know i've done monaco i've done formula one around the you know globe i've done all of that and i love all of it the only one in the professional motorsports world i have not done that i would like to do someday mm-hmm. would be the 24 hours of lamont just because okay. i haven't been there right and that's the last big one to cross off the list as far as another form of sport mm-hmm. that i would like to do I'd love to do the NFL someday. I've done college football. Oh, have you? Um, yeah. yeah, I've done the SEC and, you know, big-time college football. Jeez. I've done goofy things like uh, the world. I did the Yukon Jack World Arm Wrestling Championships. <laughs> I've done World Cup skiing. I've done uh, women's gymnastics. Jeez. I've done college basketball. I mean, I've, you know, I've done a lot of different things, but I've not done the NFL, and I, I would love to do that someday. Could you? I mean, is that a career path that you could, you could well, chase? Well, you know, I'm so busy on the racing side, and yeah. racing is my first passion yeah, yeah. that, no, I probably couldn't. Because, right. look, that's, what, 16, 17-week schedule of their own? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, 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 hey, by the way, it crosses into Supercross, so no. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not going to give up Supercross for anything. You know, it's pry my dead cold hands off the microphone, as they say, right? <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't believe... Now, I, I, before I sat down here, uh, I knew that you'd done everything in motorsports, but college football and women's gymnastics, arm wrestling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who but, knew? But here's the thing about that, Steve. Um, broadcasting is broadcasting. In other words, you know how to write an article, right? Yeah. You can do that. You know the format for what you have to do to make that article work, right? Mm-hmm. It's Now you can take that format because you're, uh, you, know, you know how to write, you could write about anything if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know what has to be done. You just got to do the research to gain the knowledge to write the story. Right, right. So when I when I <laughs> this is a true story, I got called four years ago, I think it was, to go do poker. Now I played poker with the buddies, you know, right. the usual card game type thing. Yeah. But I've never called poker, so I went and bought poker for dummies huh. at Barnes and Noble yeah, yeah. and read it cover to cover, and then sat down and broadcast poker. Jeez. But I knew what the TV part of it was going to be. I knew when the director said, three, two, one, we're live, yeah. I knew what to say. Right. And when he started counting me down backwards from 10, I knew I had to be out and off to the commercial by one. It's all that stuff in between. Yeah. I had to gain the knowledge. Right. And then, fortunately, I had a color guy like Fro, mm-hmm. who was very knowledgeable. And, you know, that's a great thing. When I got Fro sitting right there, Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a race fan sitting there with Fro. Right, right. I'm going to tell you, here's how it works. Play-by-play guy does the who, the what, the when, and the where. Here we are. We're live from San Diego Qualcomm Stadium on a beautiful Saturday night. And Ryan Villapoto just passed James Stewart for the lead here on lap 10. Mm-hmm. Jeff, how did he do it? Right. And Jeff now tells me the how and the why. Well, he set him up three corners ago and he's getting through the whoop section better than the other guy. Right. Okay, great. On to the next thing. Yeah. You know, that's basically how it works. And Jeff and I have that figured out. Now, I might throw in uh, an impression of my own. You know, Jeff, it really looks like he's getting a good drive out of that corner. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the conversation part of it. Yeah. And Froese says, no, you, you're completely wrong, you idiot. He's, you know, he's doing this. Or, <laughs> yeah. no, that's great, Ralph, you got a great observation. This is what he's doing, yeah. you know. And that's the two buddies on the couch watching the races together part of it. So there's the mechanics of it, the who, the what, the when, the where, and the how, and the why. But then there's the great friendship part of it that comes through that really works. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for me, you know, Fro understands that who, what, and when part, but we've got that great friendship, and that's what's making our broadcast work. And it's the same thing when Ricky's in the booth. Right, yeah, and it's the same thing as, like you say, what, whatever you're calling. Interesting viewpoint, right. for sure. Right, um, and sometimes that works, Stephen. Sometimes it doesn't, and when it doesn't, wow, it's just as tough when you're working in the booth as it is sitting at home listening yeah. to it. Because well, well, you can't make it happen. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for BTOsports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this, deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex feel gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. So what's the biggest gaffe you've ever had on air? What's the biggest uh, screw-up has ever happened to you? I was doing an ASA stock car race, American Speed Association, Mm -hmm. um, in Denver, Colorado. And this is a series that brought, uh, you know, Johnny Benson and Mike Eddie and Bob Seneker and um, all these big-name guys mm-hmm. to uh, NASCAR and all this down the road. And we had just rehearsed the opening stand-up. I was a peer reporter, basically what Aaron does. Right. And I was rehearsing my stand-up. Okay, I'm going to talk about this guy. I'm going to tell you about that about him. I'm going to move back to the next car and tell you this and that and, and on down through the line. And two minutes later, we went live on the air, and I told you, just like I want to about the first guy, mm-hmm. just like I want to about the second guy. And I walked back to the third guy, and I'm telling you everything you wanted to know about him, right. but I can't think of his name. <laughs> and I looked on the, the roof of the car, because, of course, that's where yep. most guys put their name, wasn't there. And then I looked on his driver's seat, because most guys have it right on their chest, and it wasn't there. <laughs> and now I'm really starting to sweat. Right. And I'm I'm literally got my head i'm banging my head with my fist and i'm bent over and i didn't know that the guys in the truck were wondering why i wasn't saying todd forbes's name so they widened the camera out they're kind of like what's he doing and they widened the camera out and you could see me down on the ground getting mad at myself (laughs) for not thinking of todd's name and i eventually just said and his dog's name is buttons and i moved on to the to the next guy and never told you Todd Ford's name. Never, never caught it. That's funny. No. Never uh, came up with it. Hey, I'm interested in your answer to this next question. Uh, as we've covered, you've done it all. Um, what do we need to do in our sport better? Uh, be it TV production, be it the live races, be it media slash rider availability, whatever. What do we need to do to get better? What frustrates Ralph Shaheen? Uh, about our sport and we need to work on? Okay, that's a great question. And a lot of the things that you said, we're doing pretty darn good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of growth that's been happening, and we, we can talk about that. But here's the one thing that makes me crazy, and you got you got to think of it this way. What we need is to continue to grow our viewership, right? We right. need to continue to grow new fans. We need to reach through the TV screen 
and make Grandma in Paducah, Kentucky go, wow, this is really cool. I want to watch this every week. Right. And in order for her to do that, we've got to either have really exciting racing, we've got that, or we've got to have individuals, characters, who come through the TV screen and people can relate to, mm-hmm. either in a good way or negative way. We need, you know, the guys in the white hat and the guys in the black hat, right? right. right. you got to either love them or love to hate them. So here's one problem we have. You watch the guys on the victory podium. Aaron will say, so, you know, tell me about your, you know, how you made that pass to get the win. Mm-hmm. And the guy will say, well, it was really good. I set him up. And five seconds after he says that, he goes on to a long, long, long list of everybody who is doing something For to help yeah. him. Right. Now, I understand that people have to get sponsors out. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You don't have to get all 495 of them out there every time you're up there. Mm-hmm. I'll give you two th- – I know there's people listening to the podcast right now probably screaming at me, but let me give you two examples of where you can – if you do it the right way, you'll make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. When you start running a long litany of names out like that, the viewer at home has turned you out. Yeah, They're not listening anymore. So even though you're regurgitating all those names out there – Nobody's hearing them anyway, especially because most of the guys are trying so hard to get them all out there. They're talking like this, and they're just running them all out there, and nobody's hearing it. Yep, yep. It's just going over your head. Two perfect examples of how to do it the right way. Bob Glidden, mm-hmm. Major League Hall of Fame NHRA Pro Stock Drag Racer, yep. was sponsored by Motorcraft and Ford his entire career. You go back and you watch an interview, he rarely ever mentioned Motorcraft or Ford in his interviews. But he made sure he had the hat on, he made sure he had the logos on his shirt, and he made sure that he gave the interviewer interesting responses. Because what happened was they ran his interviews every time in long answers because he had something interesting to say. Yeah, because he was So now you're paying attention, you're listening to Bob, and what are you seeing? Mm -hmm. You're seeing Motocraft. It's right there. You know? Mm -hmm. So you've absorbed it in a different way. The other one is Kenny Schrader. Be creative in what you have to say. Kenny Schrader, the NASCAR Winston Cup star back then, was driving in a race in Martinsville, Virginia. Crashed the car, sponsored by Budweiser. The fire extinguishers inside the car go off, and there's hail on everywhere in the car, right? Yeah. Schrader falls out the window. Interviewer goes up and says, Kenny, what's it like, you know, crashing the car and having all the fire extinguishers go off? I think goes, man, that was crazy. It was like drinking a 12-pack of Budweiser all at one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hilarious, right? right? Right, right, And that's all he had to say. He got his sponsor's name out there. He did it in a creative way. And everybody laughed about it. Everybody talked about it. And here I am, 15 years later, still remembering it. Right, right. Hmm. So we understand that you've got to say, you know, Brand X is my big sponsor. Great. I want you to. But you know what? Be a little bit creative about it. Make the viewer at home relate to you. Tell it to me in a fun way, and, you know, maybe you're going to win some more fans who are going to see your sponsor logos anyway. Right. And if you've got more fans, you're going to get more sponsors. Well, yeah, and, and again, I have a passing interest in NASCAR, uh, but I love the garage interviews when someone gets wrecked or someone DNFs or whatever, the emotion comes out, and those guys oftentimes about another driver, but it's, it's compelling TV. Um, uh, Kurt Busch probably took it too far, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, it's compelling TV, and, and we could use more of that. You're right. Well, and look, it's not just NASCAR. The NHRA guys are very good at it. Mm-hmm. The NHRA drag racing guys are very good at their interviews and how they get their sponsor names worked in there. It's more important for you to get more interviews, to get more opportunities to say yeah. your sponsor name than it is to do one interview and rattle them off so fast that nobody yeah. understands what you said. Yeah, and for myself, oftentimes after the race, I do these little mini podcast interviews. I'm looking for Kevin Windham because I know he's got something interesting and something smart to say. You know, so exactly. I mean, you, you you nailed it right there. Where I'm, I'm interested in hearing what Kevin Windham has to say, and maybe not interested in some others because I know yeah. what I'm going to get. Right. So in the long run, who's going to get more? space in your article, whose pictures are going to appear more in your magazine, yeah. you know, and on and on. It's going to be 
Kevin Windham because of that very thing, you know. And I, um, so, yeah, you get it. So that's the one thing I would say right now yep. um, would help a lot. It's a little thing in a lot of ways, but it really would do a lot to, uh, I think, attract new fans. So how do you fix that? Do you scroll something on the bottom to make sure everyone's taken care of, or do you pull these guys aside and say, look, this is what we want? Or maybe the, maybe those discussions have already happened, but do you pull them aside and say, we need more out of you? Because I know one of the reasons they canceled the post-race press conference is because the guys weren't saying anything, because the other yeah. riders were standing right there in the room with them. So Yeah, and that's something I don't understand about this sport either. And I think, I don't know if it goes back to the – Amateur days, and everybody's afraid to show any sign of weakness because they're afraid they won't get the factory ride if they do. Um, but, you know, these guys can't be afraid to open up. Mm-hmm. You know, show, mm-hmm. show a little bit of who you are. It's okay. Um, you know, we don't want to have guys being, you know, really ugly about it. Right. But, you know, look at – and, again, I, I hate to – you know, I'm not trying to turn this into a NASCAR show but oh, because yeah. I'm not – it's not like that's my deal, but there's great examples there. Look at what Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart did last year. Mm-hmm. They handled it very professionally, but it was riveting television. Yeah. And people were watching it because of it. Well, some, you know? some might say that Stewart didn't handle it professionally at that last news conference, but it was funny. Okay. It was good. <laughs> it was riveting. It was good, right? It, was, yeah. it, was, it got your attention. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I would love it if – we could get a little bit of that between a, a Ryan Villapoto and a, and a James Stewart, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be uh, outstanding. And speaking of that, uh, Chad and James have been way too nice this year so far. I've been waiting and waiting. Well, the barbanger's got to be coming soon, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got to be. It's no. got to be. And maybe, maybe it's going to be Atlanta, you know? That'd be good. Which, by the way, will be live on speed. Just yeah, we're, we're, live the, there. We're, live the, <laughs> we're live the next seven weeks or something, I, I thought I read. Yeah. 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 Which is awesome. Um. Uh, hey, now, are you aware of a certain segment of the motocross message boards don't like Ralph Shaheen? Are you aware of that? Nope. Okay. Don't follow the message boards. Yeah. Um. You know, for that very reason, mm-hmm. I just I don't. Um. The, the you know, here here's what I would say to that because I'm sure you're probably you know wondering if you know does it bother me or what happened. Well, you. yeah, I was gonna get your take on what how you feel about. Like, I feel like we spoke a little bit before I hit record. I feel like the core motocross people feel like you're an outsider, although we've just finished explaining for 44 minutes that you're not. But I feel like they feel like you're an outsider, and it's their sport, and they want core motocross people in it. And the same way they get mad at Fox for selling T-shirts at Pacific PacSun, um, they get upset at that. And I feel like it's unwarranted. Well, I appreciate you having my back on that. But, you know, Here's the thing. A couple of things to go with it. I mean, what is core? What what constitutes being a core fan? Great, How great you know, do those people not do anything else in their life? Is that it? If they watch an NFL game, does that suddenly make them not a core moto guy? I mean, the first thing I ever announced in my entire life when I was back in college was motorcycle road racing. It was all motorcycles back mm-hmm. in the day. The second thing I ever did was – I was a Friday night motocross announcer at Cycleland Speedway just outside of Chico, California. So how much more core do I have to go? <laughs> yeah, good point. Um, yeah. You know, I grew up watching DeCoster Carlsbad on ABC. Does that make me more or less core than the next guy? Um, what I do like out of all of that is the fans' passion. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm glad that they're this passionate about their sport. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. They have the right and the freedom to, you know, think or feel whatever they want. It's, it's like saying, is Chad Reed better than Ryan Villapoto? Well, which one are you going to cheer for? Well, yeah. they're both going in the Hall of Fame down the road. So can you really tell me this guy's better or worse mm-hmm. than the other? Maybe one's a little bit hotter right now. Maybe this guy's won a couple more races. Is, you know, Jeremy McGrath or Ricky Carmichael, which one do you really want to say is the – you know, the best ever. Right. Well, they're both fantastic. Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And if you don't realize that, you're missing out by not enjoying both of them, really, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, I understand that it becomes chocolate or vanilla ice cream. You're going to like, some people are going to like chocolate and some people are going to like vanilla, and there's no right. real explanation as to why they do. Some people are going to hate you just because they're haters. You know, they just like sitting there behind, 
you know, being that keyboard warrior and just banging stuff out there because, man, they're just filled with rage and they can't. Now, would they come up to me and say it to my face at the Monster Pit Party in San Diego? No. Probably not. No. I've never had anybody do that. Yeah. I've had a whole bunch of people come up and say, man, we really like how you're doing it. Right. Well, great. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Nice to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I'm glad there's folks that enjoy it. But I understand maybe my style doesn't fit everybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody's does. There are people that love the Rolling Stones, and there are people that like the Who. Okay? Mm-hmm. They're both fantastic. But it doesn't mean that one is really better or worse than the other. Yeah. It's different styles. So, you know, the few people that want to sit out there and, and put it on the message board, have at it. And no, I'm not reading it. And no, you're not hurting my feelings. Yeah. Um, and those of you that do come up to me and say, on the other side, man, we dig it. That's great. I appreciate that, too. And trust me, I really appreciate it when you do. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, it is. We, look, we're all human, yeah. so we all like to have somebody say nice things about us, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing I will tell you, Steve, about all of it is what you hear from me when I'm doing a broadcast. When it was Atlanta last year, and I am just <laughs> losing my mind on the air, that's because I am falling out the window, excited, <laughs> yeah. pure passion. Right. There's nothing fake about it. It's not that fake laugh that you hear some broadcasters do. Man, I'm either up and on the gas because it's very cool and I'm really excited about it, or I'm not selling it to you that way. Yeah. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not saying it that way. Yeah. My, my, uh, my comeback to that, those people, is Ralph has been calling the highest level of motorsports, whatever you want to call it, for 25 years. I think he's probably good at it. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the, <laughs> It's like the credentials and the resume are there that says – He's a great play-by-play announcer, so just suck it and deal with the fact that you know he's one of the he's looked upon as as the the best of the best uh, in motorsports. So, and I'm not just filling you full of crap. I've I've written this, I've said this, you know, uh, uh, but I just wondered if it ever if it ever got back to you or, or whatever. So, well, look, I, I mean, I know it's out there. I mean, whether even if it's not in the moto world, I'm sure there's people that when I'm off doing a drag race, mm-hmm. you know have the same thoughts, or if you're off doing a, a sprint car race, they're going to have the same thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's, it just comes with the territory, you know? Right. Uh, and, and the one thing about race fans, and I've always said this, no matter which form of racing you do, race fans know more about their sport, I believe, than the average, not all, but mm-hmm. average sports fan knows about any other sport. And a big part of that is because, take moto, for example. It's not just a sport. It's a lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, people wear nothing but moto gear all the time because you can wear it for anything now, right? I mean, it, it goes yeah. with just about anything that's out there. You ride dirt bikes on the weekend. You go to Supercross. You read Racer X. It's your life. It's your passion. It's everything you are, okay? It's not that in the NFL. It's not that Mm -hmm. for the average fan of Major League Baseball. Right. So when a fan is that passionate about um, something, excuse me, Steve, I had to kiss my eight-year-old daughter because she's going off and she's a little bit prettier than you. Um, (laughs) When when they're that passionate about it, um, they're going to be speaking about it. They're going to be talking about it. They're going to be vocal about it. And if you do get something wrong, they're going to point it out. And some of them just point it out because they don't like the way you say something or you're just not their flavor, if you will. And, you know, okay, whatever the case might be. But when people start talking about the core side of it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I, I was doing, well, yeah, you know, like you said. Friday night motocross before most of the people that are going to watch Supercross this Saturday night were even alive. So mm-hmm. I don't know what makes me less core than you. Um, I was honest about what I said, you know, 30 seconds ago, a couple minutes ago. So I got to be honest now. Sell me on Brett Michaels, Ralph. Sell me. I, I, I don't get it. I know you know him. Uh, I know that you were a big part of this Rock Hard Ride Hard Award. And I know you're a big Hard Rock fan. We've spoken about Van Halen before. And, and you've, mm-hmm. you've been to tons of concerts. And 
And by the way, Sammy Hagar was better than David Lee Roth. I know you're disagreeing, but he was. See, there you go. He was. There's a, there's a chocolate and a vanilla because I've no. just been cranking the new Van Halen no. all Ralph, day today. You're wrong. And I'm digging it. I'm just no. saying. Ralph, it sucks. You're wrong. But listen, besides that, <laughs> besides that, sell me on Brett Michaels. D- tell me, okay. help, help me out. Help me understand this, this phenomenal Brett Michaels deal that Live Nation and F- or Fell loves. Explain that. Okay. And, and, it, and it really, it's a, it all comes down to that, you know, don't make too much out of it, people. Don't wear your bones so tight here. <laughs> just, just go with this a little bit. Okay. First of all, you know, whether you grew up in the era of poison and, and remember how big they were and how cool they were in the day or not maybe to some people today, doesn't really matter. Think about what it helps to do. It helps to grow the sport. Think about everything that Brett does these days. Brett goes on more television shows and radio shows and his interviews and doing all this stuff. And you know what he says in every single one of those I wouldn't know. I dig Monster Energy Supercross. Okay. And that registers with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's over a million people following that guy on Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. And he's putting stuff out every week about Monster Energy Supercross. Now, is is Brett going to be a part of this forever? He will as a fan because anybody who wants to question my core, don't question his core either. That guy's been riding dirt bikes all the time. Yeah, he's definitely into it. it. Loves it. Okay? So – it's not about whether or not you like his music. Understand, he is a vehicle who is as passionate about this sport as anybody out there. And he came to us and said, use me. This is how the whole thing came together. My wife and I go, and I've been friends with Brett for a long time. So right. we go catch his solo show when he's in Charlotte, what, two, three years ago now. And... We're hanging out. Of course, we go backstage. And the first thing we're talking about is Supercross and this, that, and the other. That's all we're talking about. And mm-hmm. we leave, and he goes on down the road to the next show, and we go home. And two days later, he calls me. I goes, hey, I've been thinking about this. How can I get involved in Supercross? How can Feld use me as a vehicle to broaden the awareness of Monster Energy Supercross? I was like, I don't know. That's a good thought. Let's start kicking some ideas around. Mm-hmm. So – he wanted to find a way to give something back to the sport that he loves. Okay? He's not looking to use this as an opportunity to spread his name. He's on The Apprentice. He's doing this. He's doing you know, Celebrity right. Home Makeover, whatever he's doing. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't need another avenue to pump Brett Michaels. What he wants to do is make the sport bigger beyond its current level. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So... His thought was, look, I'll Twitter it, I'll Facebook it, I'll do all these things, I'll do it in all these interviews, and he wanted to give the money to a, to a rider. That's how he came up with the whole rock hard, ride hard deal. Right. And of course, you tie it back to something that is him so that it registers with his fans as well. Right. But the object is, you know, let's find cool ways to do that. And then the whole song came up this year. We wanted to do something different, take it to the next step, the next level. So he wrote that song. He's like, you know, let's let's give it a little bit of an image. Let's let's pump a little bit of uh, you know adrenaline into the open of the shows, just like NFL does with uh, or used to do with Hank Williams or uh, the mm-hmm. other country star they got on the NBC uh, Sunday night shows there, uh, Faith Hill. Faith Hill, yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. It's just that little bit of music at the beginning of the show that gets you going. Now, will it be Brent every year? Who knows? Mm-hmm. It could be. Five different bands over the next six years, for all I know. Mm-hmm. But it's new. It's being talked about. People are, you know, getting excited about it. So of course, some people are going to hate. It. Some people are going to hate no matter what you do. Yeah. Right. But don't flip out people over the fact that Brett Michaels is doing this. If he's not your favorite singer, be excited that a guy who has avenues to grow the sport is so passionate about the sport that he's doing everything he can to help blow the sport up, right? You know, when they did that um, home makeover thing, extreme home makeover up in, uh, where did he do it, Iowa? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was. He, he, Brett, is the one that made sure all the dirt bike stuff got in that show. He called me. He's like, hey, let's, 
we can we get some stuff and help these people out. And, you know, we had the folks at Fox and Shifter sending stuff up there, and mm-hmm. he's making sure it's in the camera shot and everything. And that's him working ABC. Right. Okay? To get us a sport he has a passion about, exposure. So, you know. Okay. It, it has a place. Is it going to be this way next year? Who knows, Steve? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. You know, but for these two years, it has been a positive thing. It's brought some new fans to the sport because he's hearing about it. Because he goes to his concerts now, and people come up to him and say, hey, you know, we, didn't, we hadn't been following that thing, but because we follow you, we now follow Supercross, and we're digging it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, up go the ratings. So, uh, you know, maybe next year we'll get uh, your boy Hagar. Oh, you know, ah, or, let me tell you. or, you know, maybe you get somebody else. I don't know. It yeah. could be a million people. But what you hope is that maybe some of these other fans out there or celebrities out there right. go, hey, you know, see what Brett's doing. I love Supercross. Let's see what we can do with it. Get Sammy on there. Tell you what. No longer be fantastic. We will we'll now have NFL ratings if you got Sammy on there. I guarantee you. <laughs> you know what? You might be right. <laughs> um, hey, I understand, uh, and we'll wrap this thing up here quickly. I understand uh, a story I heard a long time ago about you was that uh, you and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, uh, were buddies, were friends. Uh, can you elaborate yeah. on that? Uh, um, was that, is that true? Is that you guys? You guys did get oh, along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Senior is the kind of guy who would have loved where Monster Energy Supercross is right now. Mm-hmm. It's right It's right in what was his wheelhouse. <laughs> um, that, was, that was a hard racing dude right there. Yeah. Man, he, um, he was all elbows up all the time. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about him. When I first moved back here to Charlotte, I was uh, doing some PR work on the side to kind of, you know, just keep the <laughs> – my, my world spinning and bills getting paid and all that stuff. Right, and right. I was taking, I was driving a Suburban, a Chevy Suburban, which I'd never driven a truck that big before. Right. I got Senior sitting next to me in the passenger seat. I had Harry Gant behind me and uh, his PR guy back there as well. And we're going to the little Mooresville Airport. We're going to get on Senior's plane. We're flying to some autograph session somewhere. So I'm on this two-lane backcountry road, WL line, going along. And I'm just trying not to do anything stupid, right? I got all these <laughs> yeah. big-time race car right. drivers in the car. And I'm just looking ahead, and I see this big semi in front of us, and we're starting to climb up this little hill, and all of a sudden that engine just gets louder. You know how when you like step right. on the gas, it doesn't necessarily lurch forward. It's just like, and then all of a sudden you start feeling acceleration, right? Uh-huh. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I look down, and here's this gigantic size 12 cowboy boot sprawled across the transmission case and planted firmly on top of my foot, on top of the throttle. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I looked at him, and he's just looking at me like, okay, California, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah, I grew up in Sacramento, so I yeah. just moved back there. And he doesn't say a word, but he's just looking at me. And I knew, well, I'm either going to get through this. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. say anything. I just got to <laughs> do this, right? Yeah. So I looked up, and I, now we're closing in on the backside of that that semi real fast. So I just swung out, went around it, and just as we crossed up over the hill, here comes a car the other way. Ah. And I swing it back over to the right, and I just look back at him, and he just takes his foot off my foot, never says a word about it. Yeah. All the way till the day he died. We never talked about it. Right. But every time you were in a situation with him, he always challenged you with things like that. And um, they're cherished memories. And, uh, you know, they're things that only he and I might have shared, mm-hmm. but they're, they're lasting, lasting memories. He was a great guy, and a racer like that would love the level of competition we've got with our top four guys these days. Yeah. I heard something, a story about uh, you got a scoop uh, that no one else could have or something, or he told you one thing or something about something uh, that no one else, and everyone else was kind of pissed off because it was just you and him that, that, that knew or you oh, were the only guy? Yeah, you're talking about the day that he uh, flipped the car at Daytona in the 500. You know, he had gone, okay. what, 20 years or whatever it was yeah. without winning Daytona. It was a, the big thing, and everybody, you know, every year, as soon as he'd get there, it's like, Dale, you're going to win it this year and right. that whole thing. And right. just a nightmare for him to live through. And this one particular year, uh, he crashed – out on the back stretch, you might remember, and rolled over a bunch of times. And he gets out of the car, and he, he looks at it from the ambulance, and he sees the wheels are still full of air, and he jumps back out of the ambulance. He gets in the car, and he drives around a pit road, and they, you know, bang the side panels out, and back out he goes, and he finished the race, right? <laughs> uh-huh. 
Well, I think Jeff Gordon won that year. So one pit reporter goes off that way. We're doing the race live on CBS, and one guy goes that way, and somebody says, get Dale, get Dale. So I go running over to get Earnhardt, and I come around the corner, and there's about 100 media guys all, you know, fighting to get this interview with him. Yeah. I just dive into the middle of the pile with my microphone. He sees me, and he reaches in, and he pulls me through, and he goes, what do you need? I said, well, we're still on the air. i got to get an interview with you, but my battery just died in my camera. Mm-hmm. I said, so can you wait? And he goes, yeah, let's go over to the hauler. I'm like, okay. So he grabs me again. He pulls me through the crowd, and we're running over to the hauler, and I'm screaming in the microphone, I got nail, I got nail, you know. <laughs> Finally, the cameras come back up, and we're standing there, and everybody's like, Dale, Dale, trying to get the questions, you know. And he's like, listen, I'm not saying anything to anybody until I do this interview with Ralph. Once we're done with that, then I'll talk to the rest of you. And they're all just sitting there like, oh, you're kidding, right? Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, so, so what are they showing on TV? You know, we just have this conversation. He's like, so what, do you, what are they showing on TV? Yeah. I'm like, well, you're in that beer commercial where you're walking around the racetrack at Darlington. He's like, oh, yeah. And he just starts <laughs> – Telling me about the day when he was doing that and everything. And all these other guys are like, Yeah, yeah. Just we sitting. really would kind of like to know about that crash, you know. <laughs> He's telling you <laughs> and about so the commercial. As soon as the camera came up, we, we knocked out our interview and he went on down the road. That's cool. But the reason why I was able to get that access with him was because I didn't lift off the throttle that day in that truck right. and every other time that he challenged me. Yeah. And that's the way he was. Huh. Cool story. Cool story. Um, well, thanks. Thanks, Ralph, for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, great interview and, and great to know more about your story uh, from a guy that's uh, – you should write a book one day. You, you ever thought about writing a book? You know, I'm gathering up great stories. I've got, you know, obviously great stories like Earnhardt yeah. and everything, but I've got a whole bunch of other great ones coming now um, from things still that, yeah. you know, I've thought about that. And in my mind, I, I gosh, could you – how could you not write about Kevin Windham plowing through the swamp at Daytona that night? How could mm-hmm. you not talk about, you know, James and Chad in Atlanta and me and Ricky and Fro, and Fro just going out of our minds? How can I not write about how yeah. every time I do a Supercross broadcast with Ricky Carmichael, I walk out of the booth with my left shoulder completely bruised because he beats on me all night long. He gets so excited. <laughs> um, those are all things that, you know, I want to put in there. but. Right. I'm not done gathering stories yet. I've got the best broadcast crew I've ever worked with and, and Fro and, and RC and Aaron, and they're really dear people to me, some of my best friends in the world, and I'm going to ride this ride a little bit longer and have some more fun with them, and, and then uh, I'll get you to ghost ride it for me. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, you might want to get yourself a real rider or someone, <laughs> or someone that likes Roth anyways. Um, there you go. There yeah. you go. Hey, thanks again for coming on the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. I appreciate it. Uh, this weekend, San Diego, I'm sure I'll see you there. And uh, once again, thanks very much. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. And it's always a great time chatting with you at the track and, uh, and to all the fans out there. Man, if you see me in the pit area at a monster pit party, please come up and say hello. I love bench racing like this. Right on. Thanks, man. You got it, pal. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.